2: So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire
1: professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today.
0: Yum.
2: I love cookies. I love cookies so much. They're so nice. People liked me recommending digestives.
0: Yeah. I mean, they are pretty good.
2: This is quite yum. Yeah. Okay. Welcome to After Work Drinks, your weekly dose of news, pop culture, and Pinot Noir, brought to you by magazine editors and best friends Isabel Truman and Grace O'Neill.
0: Hello, everyone. So this week we're mixing things up a little bit. Uh, We're not going to start with our usual chat about news stories and things that we've read. We're going to get straight into it because, frankly, it's difficult to talk about anything other than the bushfires. Uh, Very tragically ravaging our home country, home country adopted, (laughs) easy in Australia right now. So as of Tuesday night, the damage now sits at an estimated 10 million hectares burned, including 5 million hectares in New South Wales alone, and over 2,000 homes have been lost. The current death toll has reached 25 people, including three firefighters, and it's now estimated that over 1 billion animals have been lost.
2: So that number has now doubled from 500 million to 1 billion animals lost, and that includes um Potentially, some of the endangered species, such as a certain type of frog and possum, being um, wiped out completely, as well as obviously a lot of the wildlife's food sources and homes, yeah. essentially. Um, so, to get a proper understanding of exactly what climate change had to do with these bushfires, um, Australia's always had bushfires. So, why now are these so bad? How has the climate change? How has climate change affected that? And what exactly? climate change is, because I feel like it's something that we're also worried about. It's something that we're talking about all the time. It's something we're hearing about all the time. We've got Greta Thunberg doing incredible speeches that are going viral. We've got people everywhere speaking about climate change, but I feel like no one's kind of stripping it back to basics and saying this is exactly what's happening. This is what we need to do collectively to stop it. This is when we need to do it by, and this is how we can do
0: it. Totally. And I think that what's happened now, especially in Australia, is people are feeling paralysed and hopeless because we feel like it's so out of our control and that it's beyond our comprehension and we can't understand it. And is it too late? And can we turn things around? And what do we do? And we really needed a voice of scientific reason to explain things to us, I think, in more layman's terms. Mm -hmm. Because I think at this point as well, it's got to the point with climate change where people are scared to ask questions because it's been in the public Domain for so long, we start to feel as if, well, I don't really understand the science fully, but I don't want to sound stupid if I ask, or I know that it's scientifically proved, but I don't know
2: the exact data or what to pull out to people in a conversation. Exactly, or I know the Earth is warming up, which is global warming, but I don't understand how it warming by one percent or one point five percent or two percent is the end of the world, essentially, yes. for lack of a better phrase.
0: Yeah, exactly, and you don't want to make sweeping statements such as the climate change crisis has caused the bushfires if you can't
2: back it up, which is why we have got somebody. So we chatted to scientist and climate change expert Nerely Abrams, who is professor at the Research School of Earth Sciences at the Australian National University in Canberra, who happened to be home from work because the whole of the city was shut down because of the smoke. Mm. So we talked to her a little bit about climate change, what we can do and where to go from here. So we're going to play to you a condensed
0: version of that interview now, the one that Isabel selflessly woke up at 7 a.m. to conduct. Seven, so early. So early. Uh, and then we're going to
2: continue with the episode. Um, should I just say like nearly over to you or no? Yeah, maybe say that, yep. <laughs> <laughs> I can't when you are
1: that <laughs> I stopped.
2: <laughs> <laughs> nearly over to you. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me today. I understand Canberra, where you are, is currently experiencing the worst air quality on record?
1: Uh, Yeah, it has has been pretty terrible. Um, Fortunately, um, the the last couple of days we've had a little bit of a reprieve, um, but we are expecting uh, those conditions to worsen again soon.
2: And what's happening in Australia right now is so devastating, but what's really terrifying me is the thought that this is the new normal that this is just a taste of sort of what's to come and that disasters like this will continue to worsen as Earth's temperature continues to rise. Is that fear justified? Uh,
1: Yes, sadly that that is um, justified. I'd say actually um, that the term new normal is probably a bit deceiving. It sort of gives an impression that we've kind of landed in this new climate and this is what we have to adapt to. But in reality, what we're seeing is just the start of a change and so this is the the type of impacts that we get with global warming of just over one degree uh the trajectory that we're on um for the end of the century is more like three degrees um, so we're not in the normal um and there could be a, a lot worse to come unless we really take urgent action
2: yeah so australia has always had bushfires but can you explain how the current crisis is directly linked to climate change
1: Yeah. um, Yes, we have always had bushfires in Australia. It's part of our landscape. Uh, But um, human caused climate warming is affecting uh, Australia and making these bushfires worse in a number of ways. Uh, So, like most places on Earth, Australia is warming. We've just had our hottest year on record, Uh, but we've also had our driest year on record. And that drying we're particularly seeing across the southern parts of Australia, uh, where climate change is forcing the rains that we would normally have in winter to be pulled um, further south towards Antarctica and so we're missing out um, on that really important winter rainfall, which is drying the landscape and making it more prone um, to having these really intense fires. And then on top of that, we also have the way that climate change alters the the natural variability. Uh, So, for example, in the Indian Ocean, um, the Indian Ocean has... Um, a climate oscillation that's similar to El Nino in the Pacific, um, and in 2017 we had a really extreme um, positive Indian Ocean Dipole event, which meant that the waters of the northwest of Australia and Indonesia were unusually cool, and that cut off a really important moisture source for us, so um, contrib- contributed to that drying um, as well, so Australia also had its driest year on record in 2019.
2: So. Like you said, Australia's temperature has warmed by just over one degree since 1910, I read, Um, and scientists are petrified of it rising by another 1.5 degrees, or as you said, three degrees, because when that happens, the damage will be irreversible. Can you please explain why such a small sounding shift in temperature to the average person has such a huge impact on the Earth? Yeah, those
1: those numbers do sound really small, and it's kind of, well, what's one degree and what degrees or three degrees of warming, um, but, but where we see the impacts is in what those small numbers do to our extreme events. So in Australia, um, just, um, just last week, we saw the temperatures on the outskirts of Sydney reach 48.9 degrees. <laughs> so that's really getting close to 50 degrees, and that's just an incredibly difficult situation for anyone to try and live in, and then when we add bushfire risk on top of that as well, Um, That's where we see that these seemingly small numbers of um, global warming of just over one degree have a really big impact on making those extreme events more extreme um, and that they also happen more frequently.
2: And if it rises by 1.5 degree or or over, um, that's when we'll be triggering lasting changes um, that we can't go back from, is that right?
1: Uh, In some cases there there may be changes that that are irreversible. Uh, In terms of um, the the impacts on Australia, the the estimates that have come out today are that so far more than a billion animals have been killed in these wildfires, it's just a staggering um, number, Um, and and for for some species it's their entire habitat has burnt. it's a really, um, it really is a possibility that at the end of all this, we're going to see some species that will have been made extinct. Um, so those are the type of things that are irreversible. And when we have our forests burning with such intensity, um, burning more frequently, there's less recovery time there. So we can see some shift in the landscape that what we what we knew as the Australia that we loved um, may be quite different in the future.
2: And scientists pretty much all agree that the temperature is rising faster than ever before because of humans, right?
1: Absolutely. This is a a bit of science that is just so well understood. Um, The science has been understood for um, well over a century now in terms of how increasing greenhouse gases in the atmosphere cause a a warming effect. Um, We've got very good measurements as to how much the concentration of carbon dioxide and other greenhouse gases in our atmosphere has increased because of the burning of fossil fuels. And, and we understand the physics as to why that causes our climate to, to warm. And we're seeing that playing out in our temperature record. Yes,
2: yeah, so basically, we're emitting too many greenhouse gases, which stop heat from escaping the earth. Um, I didn't even realise it's exactly how an actual greenhouse traps heat in so plants can grow and carbon dioxide is the biggest greenhouse gas contributor. So what are the main causes of CO2 that we need to drastically cut back on, and how can each of us do that on a personal level?
1: Yeah, so the, the, um, the main contributor to the increase in carbon dioxide atmos- um, levels in the atmosphere is through the burning of fossil fuel. Um, so our emissions are still increasing, and that's trajectory that we need to not only have our emissions to stabilize but we need to start bringing them down as quickly as we possibly can. Um, So a few years ago it was sort of looked at that 2020 really needed to be the turning point. That's when we needed to to get onto this trajectory where um, our greenhouse gas emissions were dropping um, and then aiming for by 2050 uh, having um, zero greenhouse, zero net Greenhouse gas emissions. So anything that's emitted to the atmosphere is countered by CO2 being drawn out of the atmosphere as well. Um, so that to do that requires um, a really radical transformation um, in the way that we that we live. Um, and certainly, the, the actions that individuals can take as part of that solution. But we really need um, our governments and our um, and our companies as well to be part of this solution and really helping to drive this forward because it is a really rapid change that we're going to need to do if we want to limit um, the worst impacts of
2: climate change. So in terms of fossil fuel, um, just sorry if this is a really silly question, but if if I personally wanted to help in the, the most drastic way possible, what could I do? Uh,
1: yeah, so so this would be... Um, using public transport um, wherever that's possible, flying less, uh, having renewable energy sources, so solar panels on your on your house. Um, all of those types of personal actions are part of the, the solution, but we also need um, our government to be taking the lead. And sadly, that's an area where Australia has been falling behind many other nations.
2: Yeah, so putting pressure on the government as well. And in terms of the government... Um, Would that be coming up with different solutions away from fossil fuel?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Helping um, to to support that transition, looking at what we do um, for workers who are working in the fossil fuel industry and how do we transition them into new jobs (laughs) um, in a renewable economy. Um, Looking at putting a price on carbon, we need to to actually really take a, a serious look at Um, carbon um, dioxide and greenhouse gas emissions as a pollutant. We can't see them in the atmosphere, but they are causing damage to the planet. And so really um, having some sort of way of of taxing that damage that's done and using that to help transition into an economy where we're not causing so much damage, um, those are all the types of solutions that governments can help to facilitate.
2: Okay, and I've read various timelines for this, and you sort of did the same um, where you gave a couple of timelines just before. Um, Greta Thunberg has said we have seven years to make drastic change. What what kind of would you say D-Day is, or have we passed it?
1: Um, I don't think there, there is such a thing as, as D-Day. I mean, the scientists have been warning about this problem for... Um, over 30 years now, um, and if we'd taken action at that time, um, it would have been a much simpler process to actually do this transition. At the moment, we've, we haven't had that action to, to reduce greenhouse gas emissions, and so the longer that we keep on um, emitting, the the harder and the faster we have to make that transition and and the more difficult that comes from and becomes from an economic point of view. Um, So so the transition of having emissions peak in 2020 um, and then reach zero by 2050, um, that's one of the trajectories that we could follow if we want to try and limit warming um, to those aspirations of the Paris Agreement. Um, But if if we don't do that, it's not like we just fall off a cliff and there's nothing that we can do, um, anything that we can do to reduce greenhouse gas emissions will um, help to avoid some of the future um, of climate change. And so so anything we can do will help to steer us away from the worst-case situ- situation.
2: Okay, uh, so what do you think would be, like, the biggest... Because I think I know a lot of people who want to help and who want to do anything they can, but they sort of want it spelled out to them as in, you know, what are the biggest major things each person should start doing immediately?
1: Yeah, um, I think that the, the biggest major thing that people need to do, um, and maybe this, this um, is more relevant in an Australian context um, mm-hmm. to, um, to some other countries, is to really push our government that we need um, them to be taking the lead and driving um, this transition Forward and really taking climate change action very, very seriously. So I think that that is the, the biggest thing that people can do, particularly in Australia where a government hasn't been leading and has actually um, taken sort of pledges um, kind of sort of move the, the situation back. So, like in the, the climate negotiations in Madrid uh, just a month or so ago, where Australia was trying to um, work a loophole so that it didn't have to do as much
2: to meet its Paris targets. And then I've also read that uh, Oxford University study published in 2018 that said going vegan is one of the most helpful ways anyone can help the planet, Um, even better than buying an electric car and never travelling overseas by plane again. Um, Would you agree that cutting back on meat is another major factor? Uh, That's that's certainly
1: something that that people can do, and I think it's, it's not for scientists to say that this is what everybody has to do. Mm. Um, we also have to admit that we're, we're human and that um, that we have a life to live as well. Um, so we need to be looking at all of the options on the table and doing everything that we can um, and then also pushing our government to, to make that really meaningful action.
2: Yeah, okay, cool. So sort of in summary, really, really push the government, especially in Australia and especially now um, in terms of marches, emails, phone calls, asking hard questions, speaking to others and raising awareness, um, potentially cutting back on meat, cutting back on um, flying and using cars and taking public transport and riding bikes where possible. Anything else that I've missed? Yeah.
1: Uh, I think those are a lot of the the big ones. Um, And I think, yeah, just... Doing a little bit around the edges isn't going to solve this problem. So so we re- really need to be thinking drastically in terms of how we get the action that's needed if we want to avoid the worst
2: impacts of climate change. Great. Okay. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Great.
1: Thank you very much. And um,
2: thanks for having me on the show. Welcome back. That was a wonderful interview conducted by Isabel. Yeah. Sometimes I... Some I... Questions. <laughs> okay. That's good. Yeah, they were. It was awesome. Um, yeah, because I don't want to ask... Someone who knows so much about something, something so, so obvious, but I'm also just like, tell me what to do.
0: Yeah, but people want to know. This is the thing.
2: And before I spoke to Niroli, I kind of had this idea um, where you know I, I thought Scott Morrison is doing a really shit job of leading it's a the country. Of public right <laughs> record at this point. <laughs> yeah, Hawaii leading,
0: holiday aside.
2: I know of leading the country right now. Um, Celeste Barber has raised forty million dollars. I know, I just looked on her page and they're about to hit 50 million. 50 million. A sort of Instagram
0: comedian is doing a better job in terms of galvanising the Australian public than the Prime Minister.
2: I remember when it got to about 8 million or it was 10 million or something and that was double what the Australian government had initially said they were going to put towards the bushfires when they started in September. Yeah. So anyway, so I thought Scott Morrison is doing a bad job of leading the country right now, Mm -hmm. but I also thought that What was happening was, as a way of coping, Australians were sort of looking for someone to blame. And so we were looking to the government and blaming the government because that's the person in charge and it's happened on their watch. And he's an easy kind of scapegoat because he's not very charismatic or And he's going to Hawaii in the middle of a crisis. Yeah, like it's easy to hate ScoMo. So I sort of thought we were kind of deflecting away from the fact that climate change is an issue that all of us have to deal with, which it is. But when Neraleigh was talking, I had no idea of kind of how much the Australian government and Australia as a country plays a huge role in how much CO2 is emitted to the world. Um, So I looked it up afterwards. And in Australia, so the biggest issue is obviously the coal mining industry. Um, Australia's coal and gas exports total over 1.1 billion tonnes of carbon dioxide per year, which makes it the third largest exporter of fossil carbon behind only Saudi Arabia and Russia. So it means Australia is one of the worst countries in the world when it comes to impacting global warming. And this is because the government hasn't made any changes to stop that. Yeah, and that's
0: great, that's cra- I actually can't believe...
2: It's that yeah. High. And I was reading it um in okay. Saudi Arabia and Russia, like yes. where literally no one
0: wants to be in the like <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> environmental and stakes.
2: I was reading a Guardian article and it said that the government does all of these has all of these different tactics to try and deflect from the fact from how bad it is because they don't want to make the changes.
0: The Liberal Party, I think, has especially always been aligned with the coal mining industry. It's been kind of a controversial thing for a long time. And we were talking before about how Kevin Rudd just wrote a really scathing um, op-ed in The Guardian, a kind of unexpected
2: hero of the day, um, about... Who is, for anyone who doesn't know, the former Prime Minister of Australia. Yeah, not like particularly liked, but a Labour Prime
0: Minister who actually tried to do sweeping reform around putting a price on carbon back in the sort of mid-2000s and was shut down by Tony Abbott, who was a Liberal Prime Minister. And so even under Malcolm Turnbull, who was the last Liberal Prime Minister we had, you had someone who really thoroughly believed the climate change science and every single move that he made to try and make significant sweeping reform in Australia, that was shut down as well because of the intre- the commercial kind of economic interests of the coal industry. So it's a frustrating thing because it feels like it's a very current thing, but it's a very long legacy that that uh, political party in Australia is responsible for. And
2: what Neraleigh was saying in um, that interview is Australia very recently made excuses as to why they weren't going to meet their end of the bargain with the Paris Agreement. Mm -hmm. And the Paris Agreement is all of these countries coming together, making a plan to Mm -hmm. stop the Earth's temperature from rising past 1.5 degrees. Everyone has their... Specific goals and targets that they've all said they're going to do to stop climate change and now Australia is trying to make excuses Mm. when the whole country is burning down as to why they're not going to stick to the end of the bargain. And what's even more shocking Mm. is that instead of addressing this by trying to work out a solution, Australia is continuing to ramp up its fossil fuel production, mostly for export, and there are 53 new coal mines proposed. So it wants to double its existing production again by 2030, aspiring to be the supplier of... choice to fuel a proposed new wave of power stations in asia
0: i can't even believe we're talking about coal like it doesn't i can't believe feel like we, something from the i think the this 1800s. is
2: i think this is the issue is i can't believe we're talking about coal which is crazy because this is such a huge reason yeah. that <laughs> global warming is happening Australia is the third worst country in the world, and we didn't even know that. I didn't even know that until I was talking to Nera Lee, and I was like, oh, we're just blaming it on the government when all of us should be making bigger changes. And then she's like, yeah, all of us should be, but also the government is fucked.
0: And the thing to remember on top of that is that the government is a representation of the interests of the people in that country. So exactly. Governments aren't just some <laughs> random, random persons, thing yeah. that's detached from you. We all hopefully went out and voted last year in the election. It didn't go the way that we expected it to, but this is why it's so important to be engaged politically in what the side effects of any given election are because it's, it's easy when things are quiet and... Relaxed, and the economy's fine, and nothing's directly affecting you, and there hasn't been a big environmental disaster recently to forget that all these things are at stake now we're not going to have another election for two more years, and people need to not forget that this has happened the reason that this happened, and that there is a alternative party I meant to recommend uh quite a while ago when I was on my instagram break um Issue of The Monthly that did a really fantastic cover story on Anthony Albanese. And the Labor Party uh, in Australia, I'm sure, have many valid criticisms levelled at them. But in terms of climate change and action on the environmental crisis, there is no comparison to the Liberal Party. This is a party that have been actively acknowledging the science for over a decade and who have policies to tackle this. And so this attitude that some people have of, oh, they're just as bad as the other and I'm not going to vote for either because I don't care and politics is stupid, it's wrong because even if you're only voting on a single issue and this is a single issue,
2: it's going to have very long-term impacts on our country and our world. I want to I don't want to get too bogged down in statistics, but I do think it kind of, for me anyway, reading all of this helped me to understand. Mm. And I know Neralee talked about... so. What's happened since 1910 is Australia has risen by one degree. And now, because of that, we're getting severe droughts, the rainfall patterns are changing, and the bushfires are the worst in history. So now natural disasters will be catastrophic. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: If it rises again by another 1.5 degrees, which is expected, so what we're basically trying to do is keep it from rising above that. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: If it rises by two degrees, just 0.5 of a degree more, 37% 37% of the global population will be affected by extreme heat. 194.5 million will experience extreme doubt. 72 million people will be exposed to flooding. And the coral reefs will 99% erode. So basically, we need to act now, as everyone knows, and cut fossil fuel emissions in half by 2030, which is funny because 2030 is the date that Australia is wanting to open 53 new coal mines by. <laughs> Don't you think that's yeah. mind boggling? Uh, yeah, the Australian government, hopefully not Australians. <laughs> yes, as a whole. the Australian government, yeah. Yeah. Um Yeah, that's very So shocking. that was just a huge thing that really, really shocked me. And obviously there are things that all of us should do and we're gonna talk more about that and more about how we can help. But I think that was just very eye opening for me.
0: Yes, because there I think this is a two pronged situation where if we focus too heavily on the individual, we miss the fact that there's nothing an individual can do on a personal level that can impact the climate crisis in the way a government of a country can Mm. or multiple governments of countries can. On the other side, that doesn't give us a free pass to do nothing on a personal level because that makes you feel hopeless and paralysed and useless and kind of gets rid of all of the ways in which a whole bunch of people acting on the individual level can also make a massive difference. So there's two elements at play, and we want to cover both.
2: Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. So I touched a little bit about it on the interview with Nearly, and we have talked about um, cutting back on meat in the past, and it's one of those touchy topics which I mean, I can't for the life of me understand why it is so touchy, but it is to the point where some people still don't know I've been vegetarian since age six, because I will not tell them (laughs) for fear of sounding like a nagging vegetarian. Mm. But cutting back on meat is huge. In 2018, as I said, researchers at Oxford University found that cutting meat and dairy products from your diet could reduce an individual's carbon footprint from food by up to 73%. It was found to be the single most important thing or biggest thing helpful thing you can do to reduce your impact on the earth.
0: Uh, And on top of that, cattle ranching, there's a bazillion statistics, but cattle ranching was the single biggest driver of the deforestisation of the Amazon, which led to all of those fires very tragically this year as well. So there's completely endless evidence to show the way that the meat and dairy industries impact the environment. But We're going to be totally open and just have a free chat here because on the weekend I got drunk and ate fried chicken, so Mm -hmm. no one is a saint, especially not me. But the reason we want to have this conversation is we want to take away some of the weird taboo and stigma that seems to exist around the conversation of meat consumption Mm. because it is something that you can easily uh, drastically reduce to make a really big environmental impact. And I think people feel that they can't be part of the conversation if they're not willing to cut out every single animal product and then you cut out all the animal products in your diet and people have a go at you for having a leather backpack or something. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I think the way the conversation has gone, people just don't want to engage anymore. But what we're saying is if you really enjoy eating meat and can't imagine your life without animal products, the sacrifice of cutting out meat and animal products for 80% of your meals or for the month of January or for five days of a week or for breakfast and lunch every day that still will have a huge impact. So
2: I've been vegetarian since I was a child but Anton in our four-year relationship always ate meat big foodie loves meat but because I didn't eat it at home um, we just wouldn't buy it with our usual supermarket shop so it wasn't really in the house and then if we went out on the weekends and he felt like meat he would eat it then and I feel like that's a really easy way because you're not saying I don't eat meat ever, you just learn some new recipes, you get more creative with cooking, and you make food at home without it, and then on the weekend, if you feel like it, sure, go and get it. But that is just helping the environment so much more in such a small way that you probably won't even notice once you get used to it. And we do consume meat at a far higher rate than any other
0: time in human history. I think that's the thing now. It wasn't very common 50 years ago to eat meat for potentially three meals a day every day in a week, you know, meat was more of a luxury. And the fact that there's this huge demand now is part of what's causing mass deforestisation. Water is a huge part of the meat production process. I read the other day that one person eating meat is responsible for the consumption of 15,000 litres of water per day. Uh, We've talked about how many animals are being killed
2: in the Australian bushfires, which is horrendous, but the equivalent. So So 500... 500 million animals die every two days from the meat industry. From the meat industry. So it's something where we want to have a detachment about
0: this because it's a little bit uncomfortable to talk about and because people feel guilty or weird or there's lots of cultural hang-ups about food and meat and uh, it can be a bit of a tricky topic. But, you know, people are always looking for something that they can do to make a difference and you going vegan for January
2: or just cutting back I feel like I feel like saying going vegan to people who eat meat every day sounds very very scary Mm. because even for me as a vegetarian so now I'm going to try and go vegan which sounds which probably to a lot of people sounds like it would be a very easy transition but I don't cook much I Mm -hmm. don't really know much about food so it does sound scary to me but it's all about literally you you love me Mm -hmm. and you went to the supermarket last night wrote a list went there, made vegan burgers, came home, and it was super easy.
0: Yeah, and it was fine. And then I was got to a point where I bought all the stuff for it and I was looking for vegan actual burgers and the only two options both had with traces of milk. And I was like, oh, my God, I can't do it. I'm, I'm a hardcore vegan now as of this morning. I can't <laughs> have traces of milk. And then I was like, no, you've got – this is enough. Like it's enough to be – 85% there or 90% yeah, there. It's enough exactly. to be trying. It's yeah. enough to be turning out and saying, I'm going to give it my darndest to cut back on something, which I know is bad for the environment for a certain period of time. I think as what we were talking about. There's a misconception that it's much more expensive
2: to eat vegetarian or vegan. I kind of thought it was the other way around because I think meat's it's, so expensive.
0: I think it's, uh, vegan is more expensive in my experience, simply because of all the substitutes, if you and go down yeah. that route, that yeah, tends right. To be if more you get expensive. substitute cheese and things like so that, cheeses and mayonnaise yeah. and ice, ice creams and fake hot dogs and stuff like <laughs> yeah. that. Um, fake speaking, hot dogs. Uh, these products cost more money because there's not much demand for them. Uh, so, as we know with anything, demand increases, people can make things on mass, and price goes down. Uh, so, the more and more people want these products, the more they'll be created, and the more easily available they'll be. And secondly, uh, I don't know if it's the case in Australia yet, I don't think it is, but in the last month or so, McDonald's, KFC and Burger King here, I don't know about Hungry Jack's in don't Australia,
2: have all released vegan burgers. Mm. So the uh, KFC one was meant to be it was meant to be a trial and they sold out in one day. Yeah. So they've now released them properly because there's a huge demand. Same with Veggie Pret. Yeah, Veggie Pret is just Pret a manger, but with only Pret is the veggie the best. Stuff. I want to open up a Pret franchise in Australia. So do I. We're coming back. We're coming back. <laughs> <laughs> veggie Pret for all AWD listeners. Another thing that you can do to
0: help the environment, which I didn't realise until <laughs> I'm so today. worried about
2: how boring we sound. I don't think we sound boring. I think this is interesting. No, same. We're going oh, to put on... I get a bit funny with the veggie thing because it's been however old I am minus six years of my life of feeling like I'm nagging so I think I get kind of on edge when we talk about it yeah because I'm so used to people looking at me every time I even go out for dinner
0: yeah people roll their eyes whereas I decided I was vegan yesterday <laughs> yeah. like, did you know Oreos are vegan <laughs> like I'm, just, I'm trying to school easy on what it's like to not eat meat yeah um we were looking up all these different things obviously that you can do And the carbon neutral offset thing on travel Mm. I thought was an annoying Elton John celebrity kind of situation where it would cost $2,000 to offset your plane. Yeah, because he did it for
2: Prince Harry and Meghan Markle and it's about $15. Yeah, it's nothing.
0: And then Bella Hadid was posting about how she carbon offset all her flights from travelling for work this year and I thought she had invested $25,000 or something. And then I, out of curiosity, went online to look how much it cost And there are so many different online portals to do it, and it literally costs under $50 for a long-haul flight from Australia. So uh, Zach and I went to Paris for New Year's Eve, and we were supposed to get the train. There were a bunch of strikes, so we couldn't go. So we had to fly at the last minute, and I went on to see how much it would cost to carbon offset our flight, and it was $15
2: US return for two flights. So you did that just before? No, I didn't bother. No. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to put that in the show notes for anyone who wants to do that as well. Yes. Should we take a quick break? Yeah.
1: Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot.
0: But what won't change? Needing health insurance? United Healthcare Tri-Term medical plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Another uh, huge contributor to the environmental crisis that we wanted to discuss. It's a topic that we've wanted to discuss for a while, but have been looking for the right time. But just the ubiquity of fast fashion and the impact that that has on the environment is a huge thing that we're both quite passionate about. Um, So in late December, the New York Times published a report about fast fashion retailer Fashion Nova, who are reportedly chronically underpaying workers in their factories in Los Angeles. And it was the latest in a kind of string of criticisms of these fast fashion retailers, um, who are really sort of selling an unsustainable product creating outfits that are designed to be worn once and then discarded uh, and that cost less than a coffee, basically. Um, And obviously all of these pieces end up in landfill to
2: huge environmental detriment. So every year Australians dump an average of 23 kilograms of clothing, which works out as at six tons of textiles and clothing in landfill every 10 minutes. Yeah, so obviously we live at a time when Instagram is of utmost importance people want to always look like they have a new outfit on and which is contributing to people wanting to buy things for cheap and take a photo and then get rid of it which obviously we really really do not condone.
0: Yes but we understand. Yeah We've all been in a situation where we would love to have a photo in a hot new outfit every time we go somewhere it's hugely tempting.
2: I haven't even thought about this before but a, a huge thing that we will do with each other is always borrow each other's clothes. Yeah. It, I didn't even realize that that was something that people could do to help, but literally, pretty much every work event we would go to, I would come to Grace's house with my clothes and yeah. throw them on the bed, and she would throw hers on the bed, and we would go through and find an outfit that worked so that we wouldn't have to buy something new. Usually, because I was broke, but also this. But also, this. Really
0: yes. Yeah. I think that the system now makes it feel normal to just say, I've got something on Friday, I'm going to buy something new because it's so easy. It's so easy to just jump on an app and get something delivered in three hours. And even if you don't love it, at least it's something different. And even if you never wear it again, you only paid $40 for it. So who cares? Mm. Um, But I think it's just, again, one of those things where it has huge environmental consequences that we're maybe not directly seeing. Six tonnes of waste every 10 minutes is wild. Like that's a wild statistic and that's not in everywhere in the world. That's in Australia. So I think just... Just the practice of being a mindful consumer, as much of a buzzword as that sounds. Like, do you actually need something? What's the? Is there a value in waiting and buying a single thing that you can wear over and over and over and over and over and over? And over and yeah. Over?
2: But also another thing to note that a lot of people won't realise is that when you order clothes off some of these sites, especially the fast fashion retailers, say if you're ordering from an overseas retailer and it will take a week or two to get to you, and you don't want to risk getting the wrong size, so you order two sizes of the exact same thing and think, I'll just send it back because it's free shipping, free returns. Mm -hmm. A lot of the time, that item that you send back, even if it still has the tags on it and even if it's in perfect condition, just goes straight to landfill, Mm -hmm. which is absolutely crazy. So it's a new report that came out that showed this and that's because it actually costs the retailers more most of the time to check the item to make sure that there's no damage to, I don't know, re-put the tags on, re-hang it up and put it back on in, in the store. So they would rather just throw it in the bin. That's crazy. And that's where the Fashion over thing comes back to where
0: to sell an item at $5 a dress or $5 a top, the there is no way that the employee who made that is getting paid a proper wage, Mm, right? And when you talk about people throwing things away, things cost so little to make that it's cheaper to throw something in landfill than to put it back into the factory and re-box it and send
2: it to someone else. And that's really scary. And even if you're not shopping on these really cheap, fast fashion sites that kind of popped up in the Kardashian era, it's not to say that other brands aren't doing this too. So I think kind of the summary is just to be more conscious in general um, with buying anything like I'm mm-hmm. what I'm trying to do what I'm really focused on doing is trying to stop and think before I purchase absolutely anything that comes in any form of packaging mm-hmm. because wasn't there that big thing with Burberry oh yeah that was a couple of years
0: ago but yeah Burberry were, were caught burning off millions of pounds of dead stock of clothes that they didn't want to sell cheap yeah. So they just burnt them in a giant fire.
2: Because they didn't want to go on sale because it cheapened their brand. So they were burning all of their previous season stock. So it's not just... Yeah,
0: and that was an industry-wide practice that I, I, I think Burberry have apologised for and, yeah. and they've stopped doing now. But there is it's, it's a thing that it would be very easy to say, just buy designer clothes. It's easy. That's not ex- what we're saying yeah. at all. Yeah. Um, we're saying that y- make a choice to to invest in less in general, Mm. own less pieces. And secondhand shopping is amazing. The pieces that you get are such fantastic quality and it costs less money and you're not contributing to a kind of consumption problem by buying them. Places like the Outnet are the factory outlets of amazing retailers. So you're getting more classic, less timely trending pieces for less money so the likelihood of you keeping them for longer is much higher Mm.
2: and i'm not sure if depop if you can use it in australia yet you can you can yeah okay everyone get on depop it's the best (laughs) thing in the world it is
0: so good (laughs) have you seen depop drama (laughs) yes it's the best instagram account ever the
2: depop for anyone who doesn't know because it's it's massive in the uk but it is literally basically instagram but people sell their clothes on there you can follow shops or there's people on there and it's mostly andrew Medine's on there yeah, and it's mostly secondhand goods um, and for obviously cheaper than usual. So it's like eBay, but very easy to use. eBay for Instagram users. Yes. And it's the best. You can search on there. So say if you went into a shop and you found a pair of boots you liked, you can go on Depop and search And Other Stories boots and get someone's secondhand ones that they don't wear anymore for half the price.
0: It is the best. There was a great piece in The Guardian. I cannot find her name for the life of me, but a journalist for The Guardian wrote a great piece that was released a couple of days ago about her year without fast fashion and all the things that she learned about her consumption habits. Um, So if you're very into clothing, which we are, um, it doesn't mean that you have to stop caring about what you care about. It's just about little changes with big impacts.
2: So just to recap, if everything seems a bit overwhelming, here are a few things you can easily do to help climate change and to stop global warming. One, demand government action to lessen fossil fuel emissions especially in Australia this is a massive one the bushfires have kind of woken us all up actually Grace said something so funny before (laughs) she was like now what did you say
0: Uh, I just said that everyone's like oh my god climate change and everyone in the Philippines and India where they breathe in the equivalent of like a packet of cigarettes
2: in fucked up air every day is like yes (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly um Try to – I need to stop being such a pussy. Eat less meat, whether that's strictly something like meat-free Mondays or just eating one meal with meat per day or eating meat on the weekends when you're out or not buying it at the supermarket, swapping to coconut yogurt, which is delicious, instead of normal yogurt, etc. Plant some trees. Trees yeah. are good. And trees have all been down in Australia.
0: Yeah. Pop out and plant some. <laughs> there will definitely be drives or something somewhere we'll find – there'll be tree planting days yeah we're gonna a put a of
2: bunch of stuff in the show notes um after this as well so you can click so on that like act. where
0: am i planting a tree like i'm just going and buying one
2: no but you can um, be, yeah. yeah there's clubs all around or you can go online and even there's a australian brand called will and bear who are actually incredible and for every single hat you buy they plant 10 trees And so for Black Friday, instead of doing Black Friday, they did Green Friday, and they planted three football fields worth of trees. Amazing. Yeah. So there are really cool brands as well. And even in terms of shopping for fashion, really looking, because a lot of people will say they're sustainable, but really looking for brands that actually use recycled materials and who actually are really sustainable. Like Kit X is a really great one. Mm -hmm. Anything Emma Watson wears, basically, really great. Take public transport, walk, bike, and Cut down on things like using a car when you don't need to and flights or offset your carbon emission. Like Grace said, it's $15. And avoid packaging. This is another one which I was looking up last night and getting really shocked about. Obviously, recycle everything you can, but also try to avoid packaging in general because basically what's happened at the moment is china used to buy other countries waste and then turn it into polyester fibers to make clothes and shoes etc but right now they're being much more strict with what they take basically we have too much rubbish and australia has been stockpiling recycling until they work out what to do with it
0: such a bizarre there's just all these things these going on in random the world, quiet things no idea about yeah yeah
2: and in victoria alone um that's caused 10 small fires this year oh sorry not 2020 last year so we do want to recycle, but when you recycle, you actually have to wash everything as if you were going to reuse it or it won't, it'll, might end up in landfill anyway. Mm. And consume less, people. Very sexy. I'm yeah. wearing the same pants that I've worn all week. Yeah, doesn't matter. And they're from a vintage store in Rome. Exactly. Consume more podcasts. And oh, and one more things. thing you can do is share this episode because the more people who are aware – the better, Mm -hmm. essentially. Exactly. And what we're going to do is in our show notes this week, we are going to have the statistics. So you can just get a really brief, quick overview of climate change and global warming, what needs to happen and things you can do, plus some links to read if you want to find out more information about anything we have talked about. Correct.
0: And we thought we'd leave on a positive note I mean, I think I think this episode is positive. Me too, yeah. We wanted to put a, a positive spin on a hugely negative event. Um, but on a more positive note, we would like to
2: touch on some amazing Instagram DMs we got this week. <laughs> yes. So after that, we are going to talk about all of the shit presents our ex-boyfriends have gotten us. <laughs> <laughs> so if anyone missed it, we did a Christmas special where we... I don't know how we even got to the topic, but we were talking about the first gift. Oh, we we're talking so about we how we like became 17 bottles of Prosecco. <laughs> we'd had 17 <laughs> bottles of Prosecco, but we were talking about how we became friends, which is bonding over me telling Grace that when Anton and I started dating, we'd been going out for six months and he bought me some body wash from the supermarket and some crispy MMs, <laughs> which will never not be hilarious, for my birthday. <laughs> um, so. Did he wrap them up? I In my brain, this is what I've said to you before. I remember them being wrapped. Yes. But I think that would be absurd if that they were wrapped. Be, it's like the vision I of someone wrapping up in wrapping paper about a crispy M&M's is just kinda mean. Psychopathic behavior. But yeah. it's you know, it's possible. And now every time I eat crispy MMs, it's just a big old joke. I had crispy MMs at Grace's house. Is the other he night. like twitches? Yeah. <laughs> um so in responses to that we got some hilarious DMs and we're gonna read them out. Do we wanna read one each? Yeah, I feel like we go one each. My ex-boyfriend got me two jars of peanut butter for my 21st birthday and then dumped me the next day. (laughs) My ex got me a bottle of wine and a punnet of strawberries for one Christmas and then dropped it on the doorstep instead of coming in. We'd been together for two years. My ex-boyfriend got me a book on Buddhism that he bought off a man selling them on the street for Christmas, and I got him a trip to England. (laughs) My ex offered to take
0: me to Pizza Express on the night of my 21st birthday and when it came to pay he realised he'd overdrawn his bank account
2: so I paid and then he got drunk and vomited into the pizza box later. My ex dumped me via text on my birthday then reluctantly dropped off my pre-purchased present the next day. It was a Simpsons Season 8 box set (laughs) that he thought about keeping but decided he better not. My ex bought me a teapot.
0: I know it cost $15 because he borrowed $200 to pay for a Christmas present and the rest was
2: spent at the liquor store. He never paid me back and I don't even drink tea. my ex-boyfriend bought me four crunchy bars and some flowers from Coles for my birthday my ex-boyfriend offered to take me to a theme park on my 21st birthday when we got there he said he couldn't afford to pay so I had to pay for both of us my ex-boyfriend got me a power shell necklace from a souvenir store which is um, it's like a New Zealand shell Yeah, from a souvenir store in New Zealand <laughs> and a breakup text saying he couldn't be bothered anymore right before New Year's Eve Amazing. Thank you everyone for listening to this episode. We hope that it kind of answered some questions about what we can do to help. Um and we hope that everyone wants to get involved. We would love to hear any amazing foodie Instagram accounts that you guys follow, any steps you guys are taking, um, which we'll share on our Instagram, and we'd love to open up a conversation on our Facebook group, which is Afterwork Drinks Podcast. Our Instagram is Afterwork Drinks Podcast um please share this if you're going to share any episode of the year please share this one because our home is on fire yes it is
1: it's
2: very (laughs) sad (laughs) i just remembered and it made me feel really sad yeah it's horrible um
0: so yeah please do and we hope you've enjoyed listening to us talk at you for an hour uh if this is your first time listening this isn't normally what an episode sounds like but i think everyone's just feeling a little bit hopeless so we we just thought
2: we'd do whatever we
0: possibly could to yeah and, and we've make both ourselves
2: feel a bit better donated obviously and you can adopt a, a koala which we have also done and yes. that makes me very happy so i was really obnoxious and thought you could name it when you me too adopted i know it. sucks so they have their own names it's so rude
0: yeah sucks okay okay bye everyone bye